Book Fifteen, Part One of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Argument: The Fifth Battle at the Ships and the Acts of Ajax. Jupiter, awaking, sees the Trojans repulsed from the trenches, Hector in a swoon, and Neptune at the head of the Greeks. He is highly incensed at the artifice of Juno, who appeases him by her submissions. She is then sent to Iris and Apollo. Juno repairing to the assembly of the gods, attempts with extraordinary address to incense them against Jupiter. In particular, she touches Mars with a violent resentment. He is ready to take arms, but is prevented by Minerva. Iris and Apollo obey the orders of Jupiter, Iris commands Neptune to leave the battle, to which, after much reluctance and passion, he consents. Apollo re-inspires Hector with vigor, brings him back to the battle, marches before him with his aegis, and turns the fortune of the fight. He breaks down the first part of the Grecian wall. The Trojans rush in and attempt to fire the first line of the fleet, but are yet repelled by the greater Ajax with a prodigious slaughter. Now when the Trojans had recrossed the trench and palisades, and in their headlong flight many had fallen by Grecian swords, the rest routed and pale with fear made head awhile beside their cars then jove on ida's height at golden-throned juno's side awoke rising he saw the trojans and the greeks those in confusion while behind them pressed the greeks triumphant neptune in their midst. He saw too Hector stretched upon the plain, his comrades standing round. Senseless he lay, drawing short breath, blood gushing from his mouth, for by no feeble hand the blow was dealt. Pitying, the sire of gods and men beheld, and thus with sternest glance to Juno spoke. This, Juno, is thy work. Thy wicked wiles have Hector quelled, and Trojans driven to flight. Nor know I, but thyself mayst reap the fruit by shameful scourging of thy vile deceit. Hast thou forgotten? How in former times I hung thee from on high, And to thy feet attached two ponderous anvils, 
and thy hands with golden fetters bound, which none might break. There didst thou hang amid the clouds of heaven. Through all Olympus's breadth the gods were wroth, yet dared not one approach to set thee free. If any so had ventured, him had I hurled from heaven's threshold, till to earth he fell with little left of life. Yet was not quenched my wrath on godlike Hercules' account, whom thou, with Boreas, o'er the watery waste, with fell intent, didst send, and tempest-tossed, cast him ashore on Coas's fruitful isle. I rescued him from thence, and brought him back, after long toil, to Argos's grassy plains. This to thy mind I bring, that thou mayst learn to cease thy treacherous wiles, nor hope to gain by all thy lavished blandishments of love wherewith thou hast deceived me and betrayed he said and terror seized the stag-eyed queen who thus with winged words addressed her lord by earth i swear and yon broad heaven above and stygian stream beneath the weightiest oath of solemn power to bind the blessed gods by thine own sacred head our nuptial bed whose holy tie i never could forswear that not by my suggestion and advice earth-shaking neptune on the trojan host and hector pours his wrath and aids the greeks in this he but obeys his own desire, who looks with pity on the Grecian host, besides their ships or born. And could my words prevail, my counsel were to shape his course, O cloud-girt king, obedient to thy will. She said, The sire of gods and men, well pleased her answer heard and thus with gracious smile if stag-eyed queen in synod of the gods thy counsels shall indeed with mine agree neptune how strong soe'er his wish must change his course obedient to thy will and mine and if in all sincerity thou speak, go to the assembled gods, and hither send Iris, and Phoebus of the silver bow, that she may to the Grecian camp repair, and bid that Neptune from the battlefield withdraw, and to his own domain retire. While Phoebus, Hector to the fight, restores, inspiring new-born vigour, and allaying the mortal pains which bow his spirit down. Then, heartless fear, infusing in the Greeks,
put them to flight, that flying they may fall beside Achilles' ships. His comrade, then, Patroclus, he shall send to battle forth, to be by Hector slain in front of Troy. Yet not to fall till many valiant youths have felt his prowess, and amid the rest my son Sarpedon. By his comrade's death, enraged Achilles, Hector shall subdue. Thenceforth my counsel is that from the ships the Trojan force shall still be backward driven, until at length by Pallas's deep designs the Greeks possess the lofty walls of Troy. Yet will not I my anger intermit, nor suffer of the immortal gods to aid the Greeks, till Peleus' son behold his wish accomplished, and the boon obtained, I promised once, and with a nod confirmed, that day when sea-born Thetis clasped my knees, and prayed me to avenge her warrior son. Thus he, the white-armed queen of heaven, submiss his mandate heard, and from the Idaean mount, with rapid flight, to high Olympus sped. Swift as the mind of man, who many a land hath travelled o'er, and with reflective thought recalls, here was I such a day, or here, and in a moment many a scene surveys, so Juno sped o'er intervening space. Olympus's heights she reached, and in the house of Jove appeared amid the assembled gods. They, at her coming, rose, with golden cups, greeting their queen's approach. The rest she passed, and from the hand of fair-faced Themis took the proffered cup, who first had run to meet, and thus with winged words addressed the queen. Juno, why comest thou hither, and with looks of one distraught with fear? Hath Saturn's son, thy mighty lord, thus sore affrighted thee? To whom the white-armed goddess Juno thus. Forbear thy questions, Themis. Well thou know'st how haughty and imperious is his mind. Thou, for the gods in haste, prepare the feast. Then shalt thou learn, amid the immortals all, What evil he designs, nor all, I ween, his counsels will approve, or men, or gods, though now in blissful ignorance they feast. She said, and sat. The gods, oppressed with care, 
her farther speech awaited. On her lips there dwelt, indeed, a smile, but not a ray passed o'er her darkening brow, as thus her wrath amid the assembled gods found vent in words. Fools are we all, who madly strive with Jove, or hope, by access to his throne, to sway, by word or deed, his course. From all apart, he all our counsels heeds not, but derides, and boasts o'er all the immortal gods to reign in unapproached pre-eminence of power. Prepare then each his several woe to bear. On Mars, e'en now, methinks, the blow hath fallen, since in the fight the man he loves the best and boasts his son, Ascalaphus, is slain. She said, and Mars, enraged, his brawny thigh smote with his hands, and thus lamenting spoke. Blame not, ye gods, who on Olympus dwell, that to the Grecian ships I haste to avenge my slaughtered son, though blasted by heaven's fire, twere mine, mid corpses, blood, and dust, to lie. He said, and gave command to fear and flight to yoke his car, and donned his glittering arms. Then from the throne of Jove had heavier wrath and deeper vengeance on the immortals fallen. But Pallas, in alarm for all the gods, quitting in haste the throne whereon she sat, sprang past the vestibule, and from his head the helmet lifted, from his arm the shield, took from his sturdy hand, and reared upright the brazen spear. Then, with reproachful words, she thus assailed the impetuous god of war. Frantic and passion-maddened, thou art lost. Hast thou no ears to hear? Or are thy mind and sense of reverence utterly destroyed? Or heardst thou not what white-armed Juno spoke, fresh from the presence of Olympian Jove? Wouldst thou thine evil destiny fulfilled? by hard constraint, despite thy grief, be driven back to Olympus, and to all the rest, confusion and disaster with thee bring? At once, from valiant Trojans and from Greeks, his thoughts would be diverted, and his wrath embroil Olympus, and on all alike, guilty or not, his anger would be poured. Wave then thy vengeance for thy gallant son. Others, as brave of heart, as strong of arm, have fallen, and yet must fall. 
and vain the attempt to watch at once o'er all the race of men thus saying to his seat again she forced the impetuous mars meanwhile without the house juno by jove's command apollo called and iris messenger from god to god and thus to both her winged words addressed jove bids you with all speed to ida haste and when arrived before his face ye stand whate'er he orders that observe and do thus juno spoke and to her throne returned while they to spring abounding ida's heights wild nurse of forest beasts pursued their way the all-seeing son of saturn there they found upon the topmost crag of gargarus an incense-breathing cloud around him spread before the face of cloud-compelling jove they stood well pleased he witnessed their approach in swift obedience to his consort's words and thus to iris first his speech addressed haste thee swift iris and to ocean's king my message bear nor misreporting aught nor aught omitting from the battlefield bid him retire and join the assembled gods or to his own domain of sea withdraw if my commands he heed not nor obey let him consider in his inmost soul if mighty though he be he dare await my hostile coming mightier far than him his elder born nor may his spirit aspire to rival me whom all regard with awe he said swift-footed iris at the word from ida's heights to sacred ilium sped swift as the snowflakes from the clouds descend or wintry hail before the driving blast of boreas ether-born so swift to earth descended iris by his side she stood and with these words the earth-shaking god addressed a message dark-haired circler of the earth to thee i bring from aegis-bearing jove he bids thee straightway from the battlefield retire and either join the assembled gods or to thine own domain of sea withdraw if his commands thou heed not nor obey hither he menaces himself to come and fight against thee but he warns thee first beware his arm as mightier far than thee thine elder-born 
nor may thy spirit aspire to rival him whom all regard with awe to whom in towering wrath the earth-shaking god by heaven though great he be he yet presumes somewhat too far if me his equal born he seeks by force to baffle of my will we were three brethren all of rhea born to saturn jove and i and pluto third who o'er the nether regions holds his sway threefold was our partition each obtained his meed of honour due the hoary sea by lot my habitation was assigned the realms of darkness fell to pluto's share broad heaven amidst the sky and clouds to jove but earth and high olympus are to all a common heritage nor will i walk to please the will of jove though great he be with his own third contented let him rest nor let him think that i as wholly vile shall quail before his arm his lofty words were better to his daughters and his sons addressed his own begotten who perforce must listen to his mandates and obey to whom swift-footed iris thus replied is this then dark-haired circler of the earth the message stern and haughty which to jove thou bidst me bear perchance thine angry mood may bend to better counsels noblest minds are easiest bent and o'er superior age thou know'st the avenging furies ever watch to whom earth-shaking neptune thus replied immortal iris weighty are thy words and in good season spoken and tis well when envoys are by sound discretion led yet are my heart and mind with grief oppressed when me his equal both by birth and fate he seeks with haughty words to overbear i yield but with indignant sense of wrong this too i say nor shall my threat be vain let him remember if in my despite gainst pallas's juno's hermes vulcan's will he spare to overthrow proud ilium's towers and crown with victory the grecian arms the feud between us never can be healed the earth-shaker said and from the field withdrew beneath the ocean wave the warrior greeks his loss deploring 
to Apollo then the cloud-compeller thus with speech addressed. Go straight to Hector of the brazen helm, good Phoebus, for beneath the ocean wave the earth-shaker hath withdrawn, escaping thus my high displeasure. Had he dared resist, the tumult of our strife had reached the gods who in the nether realms with Saturn dwell. Yet thus tis better, both for me and him, that, though indignant, to my will he yields, for to compel him were no easy task. Take thou and wave on high thy tasselled shield, the Grecian warriors daunting. Thou thyself, far-darting king, thy special care bestow on noble Hector. So restore his strength and vigour, that in panic to their ships and the broad Hellespont the Greeks be driven. Then will I so by word and deed contrive that they may gain fresh respite from their toil. He said, nor did Apollo not obey his sire's commands. From Ida's heights he flew, like to a falcon swooping on a dove, swiftest of birds. Then Priam's son he found, the godlike Hector, stretched at length no more, but sitting, now to consciousness restored, with recognition looking on his friends. The cold sweat dried, nor gasping now for breath, since by the will of aegis-bearing Jove to life new wakened. Close beside him stood the far destroyer, and addressed him thus. Hector, thou son of Priam, why apart from all thy comrades art thou sitting here, feeble and faint? What trouble weighs thee down? To whom thus Hector of the glancing helm, with faltering voice, Who art thou, prince of gods, who thus inquirest of me? Knowest thou not how a huge stone by mighty Ajax hurled, as on his comrades by the Grecian ships I dealt destruction, struck me on the breast, dashed to the earth, and all my vigour quelled? I deemed... In sooth, this day my soul, expired, should see the dead, and Pluto's shadowy realm. To whom again the far-destroying king, Be of good cheer, from Saturn's son I come from Ida's height, To be thy guide and guard, Phoebus Apollo of the golden sword, I, who of old have thy protector been, thee and thy city guarding. Rise then straight, 
summon thy numerous horsemen bid them drive their flying cars to assail the grecian ships i go before and will thy horse's way make plain and smooth and daunt the warrior greeks his words fresh vigour in the chief infused as some proud steed at well-filled manger fed his halter broken neighing scours the plain and revels in the widely flowing stream to bathe his sides then tossing high his head while o'er his shoulders streams his ample mane light-borne on active limbs in conscious pride to the wide pastures of the mares he flies so vigorous hector plied his active limbs his horsemen summoning at heaven's command as when a rustic crowd of men and dogs have chased an antlered stag or mountain goat that mid the crags and thick o'ershadowing wood hath refuge found and baffles their pursuit if by the tumult roused a lion stand with bristling mane before them back they turn checked in their mid-career even so the greeks who late in eager throngs were pressing on thrusting with swords and double-pointed spears when hector moving through the ranks they saw recoiled and to their feet their courage fell to whom thus tossus spoke andrymen's son aetolia's bravest warrior skilled to throw the javelin dauntless in the stubborn fight by few surpassed in speech when in debate in full assembly grecian youths contend he thus with prudent speech began and said great is the marvel which our eyes behold that hector see again to life restored escaped the death we hoped him to have met beneath the hands of ajax telamon some god hath been his guard and hector saved whose arm hath slacked the knees of many a greek so will he now for not without the aid of jove the lord of thunder doth he stand so boldly forth so eager for the fight here then and all by my advice be ruled back to the ships dismiss the general crowd while of our army we the foremost men stand fast and meeting him with levelled spears hold him in check and he though brave may fear to throw himself amid our serried ranks he said they heard and all obeyed his words the mighty ajax and idomeneus the king and teucer 
and Meriones, and Meges, bold as Mars, with all their best, their steadfast battle ranged to wait the assault of Hector and his Trojans, while behind the unwarlike many to the ships retired. The Trojan mass came on, by Hector led with haughty stride. Before him Phoebus went, his shoulders veiled in cloud. His arm sustained the awful aegis, dread to look on, hung with shaggy tassels round and dazzling bright, which Vulcan, skilful workman, gave to Jove to scatter terror mid the souls of men. This on his arm the Trojan troops he led. Firm stood the mass of Greeks. From either side shrill clamours rose, and fast from many a string the arrows flew, and many a javelin hurled by vigorous arms, some buried in the flesh of stalwart youths, and many, ere they reached their living mark, fell midway on the plain, fixed in the ground, in vain a thirst for blood. While Phoebus motionless his aegis held, thick flew the shafts, and fast the people fell on either side. But when he turned its flash full in the faces of the astonished Greeks, and shouted loud, their spirits within them quailed, their fiery courage borne in mind no more. As when two beasts of prey at dead of night, with sudden onset, scatter wide a herd of oxen, or a numerous flock of sheep, their keepers absent, so, unnerved by fear, the Greeks dispersed such panic mid their ranks, that victory so might crown the Trojan arms, Apollo sent, and as the masses broke, each Trojan slew his man. By Hector's hand fell Stichius and Arcesilus, the one the leader of Boeotia's brass-clad host, the other brave Menestheus's trusted friend. Aeneas Medon slew, and Iasus, Medon, the great Uleus's bastard son, brother of Ajax. He, in Phylace, far from his native home, was driven to dwell, since one to Areopis near Akin, his sire, Oileus's wife, his hand had slain. And Iasus, the Athenian chief, was deemed the son of Sphelus, son of Bucolus. Polydemus, amid the foremost ranks, Mesistes slew, Polites, Echius, Agenor, Olenius, while from Paris's hand an arrow mid the crowd of fugitives shot from behind, beneath the shoulder struck Diochus, and through his chest was driven. These, while the Trojans of their arms despoiled, 
through ditch and palisades promiscuous dashed the flying greeks and gained hard pressed the wall while loudly hector to the trojans called to assail the ships and leave the bloody spoils whom i elsewhere and from the ships aloof shall find my hand shall doom him on the spot for him no funeral pyre his kin shall light or male or female but before the wall our city's dogs his mangled flesh shall tear he said and on his horse's shoulder-point let fall the lash and loudly through the ranks called on the trojans they with answering shout and noise unspeakable urged on with him their harnessed steeds apollo in the van trod down with ease the embankment of the ditch and filled it in and o'er it bridged away level and wide far as a javelin's flight hurled by an arm that proves its utmost strength o'er this their columns passed apollo bore his aegis o'er them and cast down the wall easy as when a child upon the beach in wanton play with hands and feet o'erthrows the mound of sand which late in play he raised so phoebus thou the grecian toil and pains confounding sentest panic through their souls thus hemmed beside the ships they made their stand while each exhorted each and all with hands outstretched to every god addressed their prayer and chief gerenian nestor prop of greece with hands uplifted toward the starry heaven o father jove if any heir to thee on cord-clad plains of argos burned the fat of bulls and sheeps and offered up his prayer for safe return and thine assenting nod confirmed thy promise all remember now his prayer stave off the pitiless day of doom nor let the greeks to trojan arms succumb thus nestor prayed loud thundered from on high the lord of council as he heard the prayer of neleus's aged son with double zeal the trojans as the mind of jove they knew pressed on the greeks with warlike ardor fired as o'er the bulwarks of a ship poured down the mighty billows of the wide-pathed sea driven by the blast that tosses high the waves so down the wall with shouts the trojans poured the cars admitted by the ships they fought with double-pointed spears and hand to hand these 
on their chariots, on the lofty decks of their dark vessels, those with ponderous spars, which on the ship were stored for naval war, compact and strong, their heads encased in brass. While yet beyond the ships, about the wall, the Greeks and Trojans fought, Patroclus, still within the tent of brave Eurypolis, remaining, with his converse soothed the chief, and healing unguence to his wound applied, of power to charm away the bitter pains. But when the Trojans, pouring o'er the wall, and routed Greeks, in panic flight he saw, deeply he groaned, and smiting on his thigh with either palm, in anguish thus he spoke. Eurypolis, how great soe'er thy need, I can no longer stay. So fierce the storm of battle rages, but the attendant's care will all thy wants supply, while I, in haste, Achilles seek, and urge him to the war. Who knows, but heaven may grant me to succeed, for great is oft a friend's persuasive power. He said, and quickly on his errand sped. End of Book 15, Part 1